as I kneel in the darkness in the middle of the night, praying for assurance, everything's gonna be all right. Lord, I see another battle out in front of me. I'm afraid I won't be able, and I'll go down in defeat. He said, do you You know, I'm always amazed at how the Lord takes control of these meetings. You know, it reminds me of Mike and I's mother. She, uh, she would knit. 
she would take a, a, a ball of yarn and create this blanket. It was beautifully knitted together or a sweater or whatever it is. But taking raw material and just weaving it all together to make something useful. You know, the message today started with the memory verse this week. And Dean elaborated on that at Isaiah 41.10. You know, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not fear. Fear is a crippling uh, emotion that we can have, especially in this world. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. Worry. Doubt. Anxiousness. You know, we look around this world, we see all kinds of calamity going on. Earthquakes, floods, violence, war. It's easy to look around and become anxious. But we're going to talk about who are we looking at? What are we looking at? What's got our attention in our lives? It says, for I am your God. I am your God, your personal God. This is a personal verse. This is personal from God to me, to the reader, to the listener. Personal. Surely I will help you. Man, we can all use help, can't we? Even for the stubborn ones who refuse help, like myself, I could do it, but we need help. Surely I will uphold you. You know, the, the hymn we sung says, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God. Right now I'm standing on the stage, you know, elevated quite a bit up off the, off the hard floor here but I'm standing on the promises that they built this stage correctly. You know, you're sitting in the chairs that they're built correctly and you're trusting in them. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand that we will be upheld by God's righteous right hand. You know, I'm gonna t let's talk about uh, the visible and invisible journey. We're going to start out with a bit of, little bit of U.S. history. And we got a great country, and the history of the country has great events. And we're going to start out with a, a journey. And there's been many journeys throughout our history performed by men and women. It's been built on a journey as people came over to this country. It starts out, woolly mammoths, Peruvian llamas, unicorns, Welsh-speaking Indians, volcanoes, and the hope of a northwestern passage to the Pacific Ocean. The Lewis and Clark Expedition. These are all myths. These were all what people thought was on the other side of the Mississippi River all the way to the Pacific Ocean. This is what people thought. They came to the conclusion that that woolly mammoths still existed, that unicorns existed. But myths of one of the greatest events in U U.S. history took place. In 1803, these are the myths that, uh, that describe the uncharted West. The Lewis and Clark expedition, expedition eventually cleared up these myths. In 1803, Thomas Jefferson proposed that an expedition be done on the land purchased in the Louisiana Purchase. 
after the purchase of 820,000 square miles, that was three cents an acre. Can you imagine that? Three cents an acre. He, they bought it from Napoleon Bonaparte, who was desperate for finance for his war effort. So Thomas Jefferson bought this land. Now what? Now what are we going to do with it? There's unicorns there. There's llamas there. And these are books that have been written supposedly about the land that was to the West. But Jefferson wanted the facts. He had questions. What were the Indians like? What were their languages? What were their customs? What were their medical practices? He wanted details in the plant life, the animal life, the terrain. Most of all, Jefferson wanted to know if there was a passage from where they were on the East Coast through a river system going to the West, for economic reasons, of course. So we've set the stage. One of the greatest events in U.S. history is about ready to take place, and there's a reason for it. US, the U United States is a young country. They're on this land, and there's undiscovered, unknown uh, things in this land that haven't, haven't been noted yet. But now that we have the, the physical, I want to stop for a moment and ask the Lord's blessing on the spiritual. What lesson are we going to get out of this today? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're very thankful that you have brought us here once again. And Lord, I pray for the message that it goes forth from you. I have nothing to say. May this topic of, of the journey you have for each one of us reach deep into our hearts and speak to us. Keep us on the path you, you direct us to. And Lord, we're very thankful that you want to speak to us today. And I just pray that the words come out from my, that come up from my mouth will be from you. Lord, I ask your blessing upon our time together, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Mankind has a drive to, for answers to the unknown. Thomas Jefferson's case is not isolated. Mankind has capitalized on fictitious stories. You know, who done it? Mysteries. Have always been a good storyline for books and movies. This drive has sent people to the highest mountaintops and to the deepest portions of the ocean and drove people to land on the moon. Many have devoted their lives to discovering unknown events, unknown things in this world. God has placed this drive in each one of us so we can seek the knowledge of Him. Unfortunately, mankind has also taken the easy approach in finding answers to unknown by making answers of their own. These answers can be based on our own imaginations, traditions, made-up legends, superstitions, delusions, hearsay, rumors, then the list goes on and on, and even myths. The definition of journey is a passage or progress from one stage to another, as in, like a journey to success. Other words for journey is like expedition, a passage, a hike, exploration, pilgrimage, sojourn, 
travel, and there's many others. You know, the Internet's loaded with this stuff. You know, you could look this up yourself. But whatever you call it, it's our time of life spent. The events we go through, the knowledge that we gather, the message we conclude, and how do we use it? Do we use our journey of the lives we have to discover God and His designs for our lives? Do we use the knowledge that we obtain through our journeys to help others? Do we use these findings to encourage people around us about God and what He can do in a person's life? Or do we ignore the knowledge that we gather and cling to our own pride and to the world's systems? Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, along with 33 others, were going on a journey to the unknown. They were on a mission to discover and to bring back answers to questions. We're experiencing two types of journeys here in our lives. One of the journeys is what we see and experience in the physical sense. And the other journey is what is invisible to see with our eyes, but extremely important to discover answers for. These answers develop us as people of God, that God intends us to be. You know, our minds often refer to when we hear the word journey of, of a hike, maybe. You know, we think about Yosemite. You know, Yosemite has uh, many paths around it. But the interesting thing, have you ever thought about when you're hiking on those paths or, or maybe even going down Highway 1 of the first people that put those paths into place. You think about the, the, the trail at Vernal Falls with all those stairs. Somebody placed those stairs there. Somebody cut into that side of the cliff and installed those stairs for us to climb. And the handrail. At one time, they, they weren't there. You think about those who put the cable system in going up to Half Dome. At one time, there were no cable system there to allow you to go to the top. Mount Everest, the first people who went to Mount Everest, cut the paths. God has given us trailblazers in the Bible, those who have cut the paths before us. We think of the great Bible characters, the, the account that the Bible gives us of, of Paul, of Peter, of James, of John, all the apostles, all the people of the Bible, they have gone before us in their lives with God. And it's been pinned down for our benefit and for our use. They cut the paths. They cut the roads. They provided a way for us to follow. But in essence, that, those paths are still new to us. We're still discovering those paths. The Bible talks about the things of God being a mystery. It admits it. Things of God are a mystery. Just like Lewis and Clark's journey, they were to investigate and clear up the previous mysteries about the northwestern part of the, of the country. 
The Bible also says that God reveals those mysteries about himself to us. Lewis and Clark discovered what the new land was. And after God reveals the mysteries, he wants us to share our findings about himself and news that is so good about God that we just can't help but share it. It just bursts out of us. How did this blessing happen? God got me through it. You know, it's only the Lord that gets us through things. You know, we've been sharing uh, trusting in the Lord at the Scripture class. This topic of trusting in the Lord is so vital in our lives because we have to trust something. Even if we trust nothing, we're trusting nothing. But God is waiting there with promises. All we have to do is trust Him. Say, yes, Lord, I trust You. The mystery of God is unseen until He reveals Himself to us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3-6, through 6, it says that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. Referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. The reading of God's Word reveals God to us. You know, the Word of God, even the world has myths about the Word of God, that it doesn't partake to today's world, that it's outdated. Well, you tell that to the people whose lives have been changed by what they read about in God's Word. You ask me how I know He lives, He lives within my heart. Reading the Word of God changes our lives. It directs our lives. It enables us to understand who God really is. The, Bible, the world has made many assumptions about God. There's been many beliefs about God with God incorporated in it of some way or another. But the relationship with God is personal. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. In verse 5 it says, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. God tells us through his word that Gentile believers partake in the promise through Jesus Christ. And what is this promise? Well, Paul again too explains it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Remember we were separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. You know, I love this portion of scripture in Ephesians because there's a lot of but nows. And here's a big one. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That we can cling to. That is a promise of God. 
that we can cling to more than anything that this world can offer. There are mysteries or unknowns that God admits to, but he tells us about them and reveals himself to us. We just have to take the time to listen. We have to stop and pay attention. We busy ourselves in this world, and that's a tactic of the devil, to keep us busy so we won't listen to what God wants to tell us. Isaiah 55, we know this one, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, declares the Lord. You know, we're putting our faith into God. He knows more than we do. He can do more than we do. He's infinitely amazing in what he can accomplish. Mankind... We are limited. We only, we only can think so much and do so much, but God is infinite. Amen. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And honestly, thank God. Thank God that his ways are better than my ways, that his thoughts are better than my thoughts. Thank God. The news of Jesus Christ in both the visible and most of all, the invisible blessings of God is before us. Dr. A.W. Tozer said the invisible world described in the Bible was the only real world. If we would only see the visible world the way God wants us to see it, we would never be attracted by what it offers. If we were to see the world through God's eyes, it would not be attractive. But the great men and women of Hebrews chapter 11 achieved what they did because they saw the invisible. The things of this world seem so real to us because we can see them and we can feel them, but they're all temporal, temporary, and destined to pass away. Only the, the eternal things of the spiritual life will last. We must not press the truth to the extreme, thinking that the material and spiritual oppose one another. No. When we use the material things in God's will, He transforms it and uses it for spiritual lessons. And this becomes part of our treasures in heaven. How do we look at things that are invisible? By faith in the Word of God. It is by faith. We have never seen Christ or heaven. Yet we know they're real because the Word of God tells us so. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. You think about a broken relationship between a husband and a wife. And they bring God into the situation. He can take that relationship and mend it and fix it. I was watching a documentary of prisoners in prison who are Christians. People with no hope of getting out of prison 
loving and rejoicing in their relationship with the Lord. They have no date when they're going to be released from prison. But even in spite of that situation of being in prison, and honestly, Paul gave us the example himself of the writings that he wrote from prison. How good God is. How he changed my life. He changed my life. I was just thinking just a moment ago. My sister-in-law, Jenny, singing the song, and me and my life, where I'm at with my family, is amazing. Jenny knew me before the Lord. My brother knew me before the Lord. And they were worried, and they were concerned, and they were praying hard for me, and I know that. But thank God that their prayers were answered. You would have asked me 20 years ago where I would be. It wouldn't be here. God is amazing. He can change a person's life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, while we look not at the things which are seen, the word look here isn't what we see with our eyes. It's what we consider important. What do we consider important in our lives? And it continues, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The great subject, this is a great subject that Paul's ministry was not seen. It was spiritual. Theologian Benjamin Joet stated, to be able to see the first is sight. To be able to see the second is insight. We must learn as much as we can about God. This arms us against the attacks of the world and the doubts of the world, and against the world's beliefs and thinkings. There's a lot of false teaching about God. At this point, we need to ask ourselves a question. Where am I investing my life? Our time? Our efforts? Our dedications? Our possessions? Where are we looking to, to invest our life? The dictionary defines temporal as pertaining to, this is the dictionary's definition, defines temporal as pertaining to or concerned with the present life or this world. We're talking about the world system, the world and its beliefs, where eternal is without beginning and end lasting forever, always existing. Where are we going to invest our life? There's two beliefs in this world. People who have accepted the great gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and those who have not. Well, that's sort of narrow-minded. The world says, 
But the Bible says that the path is narrow. But it isn't just, it isn't complicated. You know, what's going on right now is Sunday school. And I'm always amazed at how the little children get Jesus Christ. Young ones. Jesus Christ is not complicated. Mankind complicates it. There are many myths about God. There are unknowns about God that man has or is still trying to answer in his own knowledge. There are many unknowns about God which man has created answers for. Mankind, away from God, has developed their own conclusions regarding the things about God. They have caused tremendous and dangerous confusion. They may seem religious, but in actuality are lies. The myth that Jesus created religion. We're going to talk about that. Jesus gives hope to the hopeless, salvation to the sinner, victory to the oppressed, and life to the dying. Jesus wasn't crucified on the cross so we can have religion. Jesus lived and died and rose again on this earth so we could have a relationship with God and be reconciled to God for all eternity through the gift of salvation. This is amazing. The world has religion as a system. Christianity has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. A personal relationship, not a religion. A person can have a religion based on anything. Worshiping anything. Believing in anything. All religions are not from God. Some do not even believe in God. Religion was not created by God. The Word of God teaches us righteousness and a better way through salvation, which is a gift from God. By the grace of God through the faith of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a teacher here on this earth and He taught us doctrine, the ways of God. Doctrine means teaching. There is the doctrine of Christ, and there is the doctrine of man, which includes many different types of doctrines. 2 John chapter 1, verse 7-11 through 11 says, For many deceivers have gone into, into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring the teaching, do not receive him into your house, and do not receive him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in evil deeds." Where should the emphasis be on our time here on this earth? 
in the belief that we need to develop and cultivate? Is it in a religious system or a personal relationship with the one and only creator of the universe? We're bombarded by what the world system offers daily with subtlety and also with directness, trying to coax us into being an active part of it. From the invisible God's perspective, we're able to see things of the world perishing before our lives. We ourselves are growing older by the minute and will someday look directly into etern at eternity. We will, stand, will we stand on the lies of myths, traditions, and legends, men, made stories of God? Or will we be ready with a lifetime devoted in the discoveries of the truth of God? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. You know, I'm experiencing this myself as the outer man is decaying. But that's okay. The promises of God is that the inner man is growing. Amen. You know, the, the, the young backs, I call them, are very helpful on these moves because they can carry and lift and heavy things. My back, I can't do it as much. Time is going by. These human bodies, we weaken as time goes by. But as that balance beam changes, as our physical bodies start to decline, our inner bodies should increase. The knowledge of God should increase. The dependence upon God should increase. You know, the conclusion to this time together here, Lewis and Clark discovered that there were no woolly mammoths, Peruvian llamas, blue-eyed Welsh-speaking Indians, unicorns, volcanoes, and they were disappointed to bring back the news that a river system did not connect the east to the west. But they went back and they told Thomas Jefferson the good news that they can proceed to the west. They have nothing to fear. The unknown brings about fear. But God does not stay unknown if we come after him, if we have a relationship with him, a personal relationship. My wife and I have a relationship. My kids and, I, and us have relationships. We have friends. We have relationships. We interact with one another. We get to know each other. Get to know God. Have a relationship with Him. A lifetime of relationship. Then your dependency upon the things of this world will fade away. You'll trust in Him. You'll believe in His promises. And when our time here is done, 
we can confidently enter into eternity with him. Unfortunately, Lewis and Clark, they were welcomed home as heroes. It says, when they returned to Washington, D.C., the men received double pay, the men received double pay and 320 acres of land as a reward. The captains got 1,600 acres. Lewis was named governor of the Louisiana Territory. Clark is made Indian agent for the West and brigadier general of the territory's militia. So they were rewarded for their journey. But the ending of their lives were not as rewarding. Lewis committed suicide. And in 1838, William Clark dies at his home of, the, of his eldest son. You know, we could go through great journeys here in this world. Go to the moon, scale Mount Everest. But all that is temporal. All that is temporary. What are we devoting our lives to? Physical, visible things of this world? Or the invisible spiritual things of this world, the relationship that God has with us? Are we cultivating that relationship? Are we nurturing that relationship? And I was out in my garden a couple days ago. I got plants dying. I'm not taking care of them. We need to take care of our relationship with God. He's waiting there for us. He wants to have that relationship for us, with us. He's speaking to us. Come back. If we have gone away, come back. If we're not there, come to me. Come to me. God has promises. He's waiting for us. It is simple. The story of Jesus Christ is simple. All he says is believe on me. Trust me. And I will change your life forever. This venture of Lewis and Clark changed the history of the United States. But more than that, God can change a person's life and give us hope of eternity spending with him. Our time is up. And I pray that, the, that God will speak to you if you have a relationship with the Lord, if you're walking to, with the Lord, to continue on doing so. May He strengthen your walk. May we, He encourage you in this time of, of chaos. You turn on the news, it's one chaotic event after another. We're surrounded by it. But He promises, do not anxiously look about yourself. Trust in Him. Trust in God. And he will deliver us. Amen. Time's up. Let us close. Heavenly Father, we're very thankful for our time together. We pray that you speak to our hearts, Lord. We pray that each one of us will take what is needed in our lives as we go out into this world. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts that you love us enough to send down your Son to this world to pay the price for our sin so we can have a relationship with you. Not a religion, but a relationship. And Lord, we're very thankful for this privilege 
We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen.